Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's a squirrel. Mm-hmm. I, I, squirrel, 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 squirrel. Okay. <laughs> Brought to you by iLand, this is the Cloud Bytes Podcast, where we've brought together a panel of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bytes in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about what customers should be looking for to secure their data in the cloud. My name is Brian Knutson. I'm a cloud technologist for Island and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a spectacular group of cloud-focused professionals. Let's start with having each of them quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important about securing data in the cloud. So my name is Leah Shobe, and I work at AMD as a senior developer advocate and The most important thing I see in security is security management and best practices for security management, because to be able to prevent unauthorized access and keeping bad folks out is the best thing you can do. Hello, my name is Lindy Collier. I am a technology evangelist, Uh, have been focused around the VMware technologies now for a little over four years. I now have taken my hobby and have made it my full-time gig. I am working with VMware now as an account executive. And I think that with today's topic, the biggest takeaway is do not make any assumptions as it comes to security in the cloud. Yeah, my name is Sam Woodcock. I work at Highland alongside Brian. I've been with the company about eight years and, and my current role is in our product strategy and enablement group as well. So I've worked for the last eight years with with customers and partners to design cloud solutions based on their use cases, whether that's disaster recovery, cloud backup, infrastructure as a service, or protecting their SaaS-based applications. So a whole range of solutions that we've seen over the years. So it's great to be with you today. And I guess my thoughts initially on security in the cloud and security in general is security should be paramount to all organizations. It should really be embedded in their DNA and how they function. And really security as a topic isn't just one thing, right? It's not just one technical solution or group of technical solutions. It's not one process or a set of processes. It's not just the culture or making sure your organization has that embedded in the culture itself. It's really that combination of all of these aspects together bringing those together and having this be a proactive strategy as an organization that really is going to make sure that your organization can do the best job of protecting itself. And also, should the worst happen, be able to recover from that as well. So they're my initial thoughts. Excellent. Thank you all for joining me. Security is hard enough on premises, and it is clearly a top concern when planning a cloud strategy. Even though the threats remain relatively the same, the way we approach security naturally has to change when we move our workloads into the cloud. There are new options available to you and shared responsibilities with the cloud provider. In some ways, it's scarier because you'll have less control overall. But if you don't have a security-first infrastructure today, picking a security-focused cloud provider could actually put you in a better security position. Let's start with the shared responsibility model cloud introduces to the security puzzle. Leah, can you describe what this means and how different cloud providers may approach this model? Sure. Well, first of all, I think we need to look at how folks are using the cloud today 
and the security threat around that. You know, over the past couple of years, we've seen a great increase in new applications being offered in the cloud. You know, in 2018, they found that, you know, over 70 million records were stolen or leaked from S3 buckets. And new applications like open databases like MongoDB are, you know, poorly secured as a product itself. And new targets have been put on things like Kubernetes, serverless applications, and other publicly available APIs. So a lot of open community types of products that are offered in the cloud do lack a lot in security. And so these are areas that we need to have a renewed focus on, especially using these products in the cloud. And this is something that cloud providers have taken a look at and do offer some level of cloud security, but it's also a responsibility on us for best practices because the threats are not only external to attacking our applications on-prem and in the cloud, but it's also internal. I remember when I was presenting something on ransomware and there was a, an admin that was telling me that he noticed that there was this admin that got fired. And on his way out the door, he left a back door open in the internal infrastructure so that someone with ransomware could come in and destroy records. So we have to make sure that we understand that those threats can actually come from within inside our companies. And so it's our responsibility to use best practices just as much as our cloud providers and also take full advantage of the services and the packages that they offer. Another area to look at to be careful is not just on the software side, but in 2018, there were hardware vulnerabilities as well. I don't know if you remember in the news where they had the meltdown and the spectra that was on the hardware side, not even on the software side. So cloud providers have spent great lengths to make sure that our end users don't get those vulnerabilities, but it's also our responsibility to make sure that we've protected ourselves against that as well. And especially if we're using IOT type devices or mobile devices the attacks on them have gone up by a third. So it's really important that we are responsible on our phones and mobile devices that we are using the services that are available to us in the cloud. And there are cloud security services as a service, and they cover you know security with DevOps, data protection, if you need security across clouds so that you don't have that impact moving data from one cloud to another. Credential and identity management is extremely important. That's where it's easy for insiders to get in. And also looking at the visibility of governance and compliance. So depending on where you live in the world, you may have more governance and compliance that you have to follow by the government or you get fined. And so cloud providers are very much on the cutting edge of those things. So it's extremely important for us to take on our responsibility in doing best practices on-prem and carry that into the cloud and not just count on the service providers protecting our data for us. We have to do our part as well. You know, Leah, to your point, I think that 
you know, one of the things that a lot of customers aren't taking into account is, you know, reviewing the SLAs that cloud providers have, because the biggest thing that you'll find in those SLAs is that the data that's in the cloud cannot be protected once it leaves the cloud and how that is interacting with other systems and other cloud environments. So I think that's another point to reiterate is, you know, really dig deep into those SLAs to make sure that you are covered from that security perspective. Yeah, I totally agree on that. And another area to really, really take a look at is everything that's happening with ransomware, because even though the volume of personal ransomware is winding down, enterprise ransomware attacks are actually on the rise. And so that's another area that we really need to look at because ransomware as a service, ransomware as a business is happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars that the dark web is making off of not just personal ransomware, but what's happening in the enterprise. And we have a responsibility for that too. I remember talking with a hacker at one point in time in a previous life. And he said, for $350, I can go on the dark web and download a ransomware package. Oh, yeah. And I can get into anyone, especially SMB. Oh, yeah. And they have a whole distribution system. Oh, yeah. They've got toolkits you can purchase. The thing I think that really gets me is the fact that they have help desks. They have support (laughs) calls. They have maintenance updates. I mean, come on, you know? I know. And that's the scary part. I mean, and you hate to be that person on the other side of the table and you're preaching all this doom and gloom, but it's serious. And when someone says, oh, well, my network is airtight. And it's like, really? Because I'm looking at this printer over there that you just boasted about that it gives you alerts when you run low on ink and then it already orders the ink for you and it shows up, uh, you know, in your office the next day. It's like, mm, your network's not as airtight. There's a back door. <laughs> exactly. Or, you know, thinking about what happened to Target, you know, you know, several years ago. How was that breach? You know, that came through the HVAC, you know, through an open door that the technician left open. So, yeah. I think from looking at kind of the industry as well and, and the news, right? One of the most common ways that these ransomware attacks may be kind of attack an organization really is through social engineering, right? Is mm-hmm. is preying on kind of the priority and the time of the people who receive messages and, and kind of phishing attacks. Obviously, we've seen a big spike in that over the years. And obviously, with current situations that are in the world as well, people utilizing kind of very serious events to try and drive urgency and drive people to click through. Oh, yeah. That kind of impact is huge for an organization. And really, to things like social engineering, it's not really just about technology, right? You can do as much as possible to look at phishing and try and highlight phishing, but people will still click through. And it's about consistent education nonstop to try and stop as many of these things as possible. But again, have a strategy, should the worst happen, to mitigate and recover. I think that's critical as well. Absolutely. You know, um, because like with COVID-19, there's been a lot of stories on the news and warnings on the news about a lot of these phishing emails that you're talking about with them instilling fear in people to click through. And, you know, education and training can take us so far, you know, antivirus, patching, filtering, building that security perimeter, getting liability insurance if you're a corporation and traditional data protection and backup, 
you know, those are the things that people normally follow. They think, well, if I just follow that, you know, I'm going to be fine. But in reality, these folks know how to get in. They know how to get around those usual channels. And so you still result in downtime, data loss, productivity loss. It can cost you millions of dollars. So, you know, there's this next level of what do we need to look at beyond those things? Because those things do work as a nice filter, but we got to get ahead of the predator because the predator is really smart. And, you know, we've got to not just keep up, but get ahead. Well, on that topic, you know, when it comes to security in a cloud environment, just like regular infrastructure stuff, you know, moving into a cloud can provide you a lot of additional options. And one of those areas of options could be with security products themselves. Because, you know, when you move your data into a cloud model, you know, you may be fully responsible for everything, but other providers may actually provide stuff that's actually baked into the platform. As a small pitch, Island is one of those companies. We have a ton of baked in security goodness. Others may provide a marketplace of options where it's like, hey, go out here, click on this, you know, the link of whichever one you like, and it'll automatically kind of embed itself into your cloud environment. So, Lindy, can you maybe talk a little bit about these different options and how they may differ and how people can consume them and you know, maybe what that means towards uh, cloud migration? Sure. I was just thinking about this question. You know, I think the first step into, you know, this bake off that you're doing of, you know, taking and evaluating what's already naturally embedded into a public cloud provider versus what do I need to protect myself? Right. I think you need to first understand what data is going into the cloud, evaluating, you know, if this data gets hacked, what is my vulnerability? How exposed am I? And how secure from a governance and compliance perspective, what am I going to show that auditor who comes in and does a CMCC audit? Right. If I'm in the cloud and am I, you know, if I'm using GovCloud, you know, that's one checkbox, but what other technology avenues am I also incorporating? But I think the biggest thing that you need to take also into account besides that data is, you know, something we've already talked about. It's the human aspect. You know, we look at, you know, people, process, and technology. Technology is never the issue. It's the human and processes that we have to really look into. So as we do this bake-off and you look at the different components from a security perspective, the things that I think that, you know, bring and enhance that human Ethality that we may have is, you know, you know, looking at MFA. Does the cloud provider provide that for you? Or is that something I'm going to have to do an add-on to? But looking at who's got access, you know, Aaliyah, you brought up a fantastic point. You know, somebody was disgruntled and opened a back door and, you know, allowed hackers to come in and extract company data. Making sure that the people who have access need access. And if they, you know, what tools are out there, you know, again, looking at the cloud provider, do they provide that? Or is that something I'm going to have to look at? So there's another area. Also looking at real-time monitoring. You know, I know that there's several technologies out there that actually sit on top of the cloud. And, you know, I kind of visualize it as looking into a chicken coop. There's my bonus points. <laughs> looking into the chicken coop and, you know, who's coming in? You know, is it that fox that's trying to get into the hen house or is it the raccoon? You know, you're kind of looking at all of these people, but you're looking at the players inside and who is that 
person that should have that access to that particular environment because not everybody needs to have access. And then if you have that one person who has keys to the kingdom, what happens if that person leaves one day? What parameters do you have in place? So, you know, having a great offboarding policies, you know, and I think that as you look at this, and this is a topic that we've already talked about in a previous episode is maybe you just don't have the chops from an employee perspective to manage either the public cloud, a hybrid cloud or private cloud. And maybe you should turn those things over to an MSP, to somebody who has the chops and, you know, again, can manage all facets of security moving forward as you're doing that migration. I think that that is one of the biggest areas, I think, that from a security perspective, you can't make any assumptions, but you can also know when to call in help and provide help when needed. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And one area that, you know, for security that I spent quality time in is in data protection. And so there are so many nice packages out there for cloud storage infrastructures that you can use for data protection. And they've gotten really savvy and sophisticated. They started using machine learning algorithms Mm -hmm. so that there is a level of intelligence in how it can auto detect a threat and alert you right away and shut things down. Because if you have to do it manually, they'll get in there like a squirrel, you know, and do all kinds of damage to your data and your home before you even recognize the fact that something is happening, that something destructive is happening. And then you've got to go through and you've got to find out where the damage is, where the threat is coming from to be able to shut it down. In the meantime, you're losing data loss, productivity. I mean, this can go into the millions and be catastrophic. So if you have something that can detect up front and shut down within seconds before it causes that damage. So, you know, you've got something blocking the squirrel uh, so they can't get into the roof in the first place. Then um, it will save you a ton of money and save you from a lot of headaches. So having good data solutions in the cloud with data protection is extremely important. I would not put any data in the cloud, personal or enterprise-wide, without some type of a data protection type of best practices and security. Those are great points, right? I think it starts off maybe back to the original question around shared responsibility. I think when you're kind of evaluating whether you should put the data in the cloud, which cloud, it's really understanding kind of what level the service provider will go up to in terms of that security and shared responsibility model, right? Do they just take care of kind of the physical security and the physical host infrastructure? What level do they go into from an operating system and application perspective? And do they get into networking and those other elements? And to the point in this question, what levels of security are embedded by default? And what do you need to do beyond that to just secure the organization? So I think it really comes down to evaluation is really critical, not just on security, but lots of aspects of, of the cloud provider, but specifically understanding where does the responsibility start? Where does it end? And what does that responsibility actually mean? which is really critical to making sure that you have a kind of a strong platform and really data protection being key, right? There's always going to be some cases where the worst happens and really you need a strategy where you can recover the data by your own means or recover your business and get it back up and running without having to pay the ransom, right? Which only drives the behavior of more of these types of attacks. I think we've seen that in the industry so far as well. 
I think other great points around you know, identity access management or just ensuring that you can make sure that the users have the relevant permissions, the relevant visibility, but not beyond what they have or need. And that we're constantly evaluating that to see if that's still relevant and obviously making sure that that stays relevant as employees start or end of the company as well to make sure that you can secure that data. And I think the final point I'd make is I think with all technology, there's lots of options, but it seems like with security, there's so many options, right? There's hundreds, if not thousands of different options from a technology perspective. It can be very tough to pick the right one is the solution actually going to provide a real world solution to the issues you're trying to resolve i think with so much noise and so many technology options i think back to the point around msps or trusted partners with the expertise in that space i think that's really important to look for because they've probably gone through a huge curation process and they've made the right bets and they're staying relevant as well i think that's critical for success absolutely and one thing i will know is that you know when you're looking at security you don't have to have six different security tools or technologies in order to secure your environment. I think that's another fallacy that a lot of clients, you know, as I'm having conversations, you know, they're like, well, we have such and such security here and here and here. And it's like, okay, who's managing the patching of these security platforms? You've got security issues on your security technology. So I think that, you know, as you're looking at something, you need to bring all the stakeholders to the table and really get a better understanding of what you're trying to do in architect, because otherwise, I believe you're adding fuel to the fire. I agree. Who watches the watchers? So, you know, we've talked a lot about the threats that are out there, and I want to kind of focus in as kind of the last topic is we're seeing daily news about what the threats are, where the threats are coming from. And we've all seen kind of ransomware come from nothing in the last few years to becoming one of the biggest security threats we have out there. So there's lots of different ways that they come in, you know, different vectors into our organizations, different forms that they take. Sam, can you kind of discuss some of the biggest threats that are out there right now? Coming from a cloud provider, we kind of see everything coming at us and maybe how they look different between on-premises and cloud infrastructures. Yeah, I think we discussed this kind of area within our company. And I think there's a whole chain of events that happens for a successful security breach on an organization, right? It just doesn't happen with a single click, right? There's a kill chain in effect of how these attacks take hold in an organization. I think the same is true of both infrastructure and services in the cloud as well as on-premises as well, right? I think understanding and being able to align technology process and culture towards each aspect of that chain can hopefully limit the impact and hopefully stop those attacks in duration as well of that chain. I think that's critical. I think we touched on some of the biggest examples, right? We, We constantly see examples of ransomware hitting organizations, whether that's their internal systems, their email, their file shares, their intranet systems all sorts of examples there in the news. And obviously, I think one of the things that we were consistently educating our customers and partners on were really what we talked about in this podcast right now around insider threats, right? Those employees that want to do their company harm, whether that's directly by maliciously deleting data or compromising system availability or intentionally leaving those gaps that we touched on at the start of the podcast that can be utilized by some other actor for an attack. The common ones around human error and social engineering, they can be big attack vectors that can facilitate these types of attacks. I think one of the biggest examples that we've been speaking about for a couple of years now, Brian, was really 
back to the shared responsibility model again. But if you think about a product like Microsoft Office 365, where they have a great solution for email and file sharing and SharePoint, for example, there was the perception generally in the industry that Microsoft were responsible for not only the hardware, the software, the service, but they were also responsible for the data. But I think Island, other providers and other software solutions have done quite a lot of education in the space recently around the fact that there are gaps in terms of the data protection aspect of that service. And there's a limited amount of data that is actually kind of kept as a responsibility of the Microsoft vendor. And so that has spawned a number of solutions on behalf of organizations to provide solutions around recovery and storage of backup of that data, right? And understanding that gap and understanding there are solutions and a wide range of solutions out there that can actually help you recover is important. But also what's important to realize there is also that there's a number of security technologies and services available to help secure those services that they're using on a daily basis as well. So I think that's critical. I think from the island perspective, we kind of made a name in terms of disaster recovery as a service. We've been doing that for around 12 years and really kind of backup as a service as well. And these are really geared around making sure that we can provide solutions, again, if the worst happens. But I think one of the things that I wanted to specifically call out, which can be utilized by organizations and can be used and useful for organizations, is really the idea of proactive security testing. So we've always heard of things like penetration testing, whether that's physical, virtual software related. One of the things that we've commonly seen organizations take advantage of is, say, for example, they're utilizing our disaster recovery solution to recover. They also have the ability to test non-intrusively a copy of their production systems in the cloud with limited risk, low cost, etc. And what that allows them to do in tandem with the security technologies is actually provide on-demand vulnerability scanning and virus scanning and penetration testing against test copies of those systems. And what's also interesting is that they then can provide or test out solutions around plugging those holes and validating again whether those things have been resolved. And it's not just Island that's doing that. I've seen that across the industry with other data protection solutions where they offer you the ability to do more with your offsite backup data than just backup, right? Being able to do security testing, validation, test and dev, and all of these other aspects can really, I think, help as one of the small elements of actually having a proactive approach to make sure you have the best security possible. Yeah, I totally agree. You kind of piqued my attention when you brought up Office 365, because just in 2018, data came in from that environment, and there was over 2 million breaches attempted per day. Wow. And over a 1,000 brute force attacks every second. It was to a point where Microsoft had, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see it, but they have this world map. And you can actually see where the attacks are coming in on your particular instance. So it's kind of interesting to be able to use their tools so that you can kind of see where things are coming. But yes, the volume is huge. And so a lot of the services that you talk about are in the testing to make sure that you have something that can stand up to that level of volume of attacks is so important. Yeah, the more popular your cloud services, the more likely it is to be a target. Mm -hmm. And and that's not to promote security by obscurity by any stretch of the imagination. But it does go to show that, you know, it's like the difference between the attacks on Microsoft Windows versus Apple Macintosh. And a lot of people used to think, oh, Apple's so secure because, you know, you don't see about these all these vulnerabilities and hack attempts to them. And at some level, it's because there's not the money there. 
there's not enough money back in the 90s and early aughts to for hackers to try and focus on that platform. But as Macs became more popular in the enterprise and, and associated with more money, it became a bigger target. And, you know, we all had to deal with the fact that, hey, I still need antivirus on a MacBook because it has that potential still. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot more work to hack a Mac. So, you know, the <laughs> I think that rhymed. That was really good. <laughs> did. I, I didn't plan that one. <laughs> you know, Windows, it was a lot easier, you know, during that time than doing a Unix-based platform. So, you know, it's like, well, you're going to hit the low-hanging fruit first before you get to the stuff that's harder. It's not that you're hack-proof. It's just that it's harder to do. And so um, Windows isn't any less secure than Unix. It's just you got to go through a few more steps. And um, But, you know, who wants the easy money first? Right. Great. That was actually a really great conversation. But I'm going to go ahead and hit the high points and close us out here. I think the most important thing was said, I think, Lindy, at the beginning, don't make assumptions. There's a ton of bad actors out there. There's a ton of vulnerabilities. And it really only takes one mistake on our part on the defender's side and one success on the attacker side to be able to get in. So, you know, we hear a lot of stories about leaky buckets and cloud databases and data breaches coming out of those. But it's important to remember that it's not entirely just because they were cloud services or that that data was in the cloud. It's important to keep in mind the fact that, you know, the cloud is a shared responsibility model. It takes both the provider and the customer to ensure security in that model. And that does make it tougher. You also need to keep in mind the fact that threats can be both internal and external. So, you know, just because it's within the firewall, just because it's an employee you're paying doesn't mean that that's 100% secure because those are both places where breaches can happen. And you also have to consider things like IoT and mobile that continue to increase the attack services. So it's not just our use of the cloud, it's our use of all these other devices that are hard to protect in their nature. And also keep in mind that network is airtight. There's always going to be holes. There's always going to be vulnerabilities. Some of them may be tougher than others to deal with. Some of them may be unfound for a while, but could potentially be found and turn into very large holes. As we're looking at how to secure our environments, we need to be aware that Honestly, the technology may be the easiest part these days. There's a ton of great products out there, a ton of great knowledge out there. But when it comes down to it, it's making sure people and processes react the proper way and are using technology in the proper way. They're a lot harder to manage. And things like real-time monitoring and artificial intelligence, machine learning type packages can do a lot to help us keep in front of these threats to see where brute force attacks are happening or users are having bad behavior to help highlight where there may be potential issues in the future. And ultimately, you really need to understand what your organization is even capable of. Particularly a problem with small, medium businesses can be a problem in enterprises as well. If you don't have a strong security focus, you know, looking for the right cloud provider could improve your team's capabilities. And keeping in mind that they are on the cutting edge of security and compliance and, and are always looking at protecting a larger group of data rather than just your one group of data. So they oftentimes are, are getting well ahead of it. Finally, understand the gaps in your technologies. Things like backup of Office 365 was a great example of the fact that, you know, there are things that your technologies that you're trusting may not do. 
And you need to be able to plug those holes, even when you have no control over those particular pieces of software. Consider the SLAs that you get from these cloud providers and be proactive in testing everything. Make sure that you're spending some time understanding where those gaps may be and, and making sure that they're properly filled. With that, let's finish off this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Thank you to Leah, Lindy, and Sam for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on those podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. We worked in chicken coops and squirrels and feelings. Oh, so. we did. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. Amazing.